Um, hello, everybody, and Kiora. Welcome to the Austro's webinar. Um, in today's session, we will focus on our recent project uh, that used a virtual reality simulator to investigate how road tunnel design um, can affect driver behavior and uh, whether a driving simulator is a valid tool for assessing um, tunnel, tunnel design features. We have 250 people registered for today's session. Welcome to you all, and thanks for joining us. My name is Ekaterina, I'm a Senior Communications Officer at Austroads, and I will be moderating today's session um, together with Nigel Casey, Technical Lead Tunnels uh, from Transport for New South Wales. Nigel was the project manager for this project. He is one of our presenters today, and he will also moderate your questions at the end of the webinar. Um, I would like to start by acknowledging the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the regional people of New Zealand. I also acknowledge the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. Ostrots is based in Sydney and so today I'm on the land of the Gadigal people of the Euro Nation. I pay my respect to eldest past, present and emerging and to the um, deep and ongoing connection to the land. A little bit about Austroads. We are the collective of Australasian and transport, New Zealand transport agencies, and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. Um, the project that we are focusing on today was delivered under the Transport Infrastructure Program, which is managed by Ros Gapi. A little bit of housekeeping. Um, our presenters will speak for about 75 minutes and then we will have uh, some time for your questions. The slides and the reports can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. To send us your questions for the Q&A, uh, please use the question icon on your sidebar. Um, if your question relates to any particular slide, include, that number, include the number of that slide in your message to help us answer your question as best as we can. Um, also let us know if you have any technical problems, but just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, the issue is most likely with your internet connection. So closing your browser and rejoin uh, the session using your email registration usually helps. Um, this session has been recorded uh, and we will let you know when the recording is published on our website. If you listen to podcasts, you can also find Ostroads in your podcast app. Um, so today we have a large group of presenters. Our first presenter is Nigel Casey, uh, whom, um, who I uh, just introduced. Um, then we will hear from Richard Merritt, Engineering Director, uh, West Connects M4, M5 Link at Transurban. After Richard, we will hear from a team uh, from the Research Centre for Integrated Transport Innovation uh, at the University of New South Wales, Sydney. Uh, and the presenters are Professor Michael Regan, um, Julius uh, Sekadin-Grat, uh, manager at um, uh, Trex Lab, academic Dr. Prasanna Prabhakaran, uh, data analyst Jack Mazaraki, and uh, data analyst Nicholas Rosenauers. Um, so in today's session, we will cover the findings of two studies conducted as uh, part of this project. After the introductory part presented by Nigel Casey and Richard Merritt, um, the team from the University of New South Wales will provide um, 
a detailed overview of each study, including literature review, methodology, data analysis, and results. After the presentation, we will have some time um, to answer your questions. All right, um, over to you, Nigel. Thanks, Ekaterina. Uh, look, I've had the privilege of leading this project uh, on behalf of Austroads from my position within TFNSW. And I'd like to say a few words of thanks uh, to start. Uh, firstly, uh, this is the project that was conceived a number of years ago. Uh, if we take ourselves back a number of years, we've lived through some funny times. Uh, so I'd like to thank Ostroads and in particular, Ross Guppy and Liz Esteban for not only taking on the sponsorship of this challenging project, but also showing the resilience to support its delivery uh, through multiple shutdowns through COVID. Uh, and also, it, it, this has been a, a bespoke and unique project, which uh, the presenters will, will talk you through today. And so the uh, its uniqueness caused a lot of thought about what the methodology was that we needed to apply. On the list here, I'm going to jump uh, past you for a second, Richard, on the list here, and I'm going to jump down to our colleagues at uh, UNSW. As uh, Katerina mentioned, uh, the work was delivered by the Research Centre for Integrated Transport Innovation at UNSW. And you can see the list of valuable contributors here. We were, we were very fortunate uh, to have appointed uh, our city at UNSW to deliver this work for us. Uh, each of the people listed here, many of whom are presenting today, contributed their own key specialism. We we're very fortunate to have an organization deliver this work that had this breadth and depth of competence and capability. I'll call out a, a few names that won't be joining us today. Uh, Alexa Zutra was the key uh, simulation modeler uh, who enabled just translation of and development of some of the simulated environments. And Mitch Cunningham delivered a lot of the testing and, and delivered a lot of the participants through the testing, both in Nortlex and in the simulated environment. And Professor uh, Venay Dixit is the director at Orr City at UNSW, who uh, gave us some valuable uh, insights along the way. Just lastly, but certainly not leastly, uh, my colleague Richard Merritt, who's joining us today, has been, uh, look, uh, I guess right back on this project, right from the start, Richard, where you and your team uh, at uh, Transurban conceived and delivered the North Connects design features, which have been a focus of this work. Uh, you and your team have been key collaborators in enabling access to those designs to enable us to ger generate at those simulated environments, but also, of course, access uh, through your colleagues to the North Connects tunnel itself, in which we did some testing. Uh, thanks, Katerina. Next one. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to, in in starting and proposing these projects to Ostroads, we, we were obliged to set out, look, what is it that we want to aspire to? What is it that we want to achieve? Uh, and this work, as UNSW will present, is split into two study areas. And you can read that text yourself. And, and those are the two reports, which, if they're not already published, will soon be published on the Austroads website. From my aspect in proposing these projects, my key aim 
was that other projects could learn from the experience of NorthConnex, but not only uh, doing so to enable bolder tunnel designs to include uh, to include greater, as I say, bolder designs to the tunnels. And I recall a, a, a quote from a Swedish colleague, uh, and he said, uh, even God loves the underground. Uh, and his idea was that we need to enliven the space and bring features into it. So that was my aspiration and the methodology undertaken and delivered by UNSW, I believe, achieves that goal. Thanks, Ekaterina. So I'm gonna hand over to Richard now and take us back a few years, I think, Richard, and give us that insight into your early thoughts on the project. Over to you. Thanks, Richard. Um, thanks very much, uh, Nigel. Um, I'd also like to uh, mirror your words in appreciation of all of the hard work everyone has put into this study and yourself as well. So um, congratulations. Um, this is a scene setting for this important study with the backdrop of the operating environment just 10 to 15 years ago. This was a typical experience in road tunnels across Sydney. It's hardly imaginable now. Um, at Transurban, it was clear that for any new tunnels, this had to change. For the F3 to M2 motorway link, now called NorthConnex, the procurement design and delivery approach led by Transurban was transformative in challenging and resetting the traditional technical and design criteria. Examples included significant improvements in the, in the road geometry, requirements for things like steepness and radii, to improve vehicle performance. Um, as you can see from the clip there, um, all of these things are, are, are struggling. Um, and also the cross-section. This was a huge change as well, such as the width and the height to improve air quality. But at that time, anecdotal feedback suggested some motorists were quite uncomfortable with the prospect of driving in tunnels. And as the North Connect tunnel was to be substantially longer than other Sydney road tunnels, the urban and aesthetic design criteria stipulated the following outcomes. Um, and this represented a fundamental and game-changing shift in road tunnel design. And these requirements are as follows. Provide a memorable experience through visual interest. Create an environment to avoid visual boredom. Provide a safe, comfortable and attractive driver experience. Provide sufficiently different visual experiences that promote awareness of the journey within the tunnel and to provide reference points related to key surface features along or adjacent to the route. Very different to the video that I've just played. NorthConnect successfully opened in 2020 with motorists then and now enjoying a very unique outcome. But what about the anecdotal feedback? Transport for New South Wales in partnership with Osroads and Transurban identified an excellent opportunity to look into this in more detail, which led to the conception of this very exciting driving simulator project. And it's been fantastic to be part of that personally and for 
the transurban business to cooperate and uh, provide that um, support to the study. I'll now hand over to Professor Michael Regan to provide the detail. Oh, well, hi everyone, and um, thank you very much, uh, Richard. Um, next slide, please. I'll be introducing the study, um, starting with the purpose of this uh, first study, which, uh, as you can see, is to evaluate um, in a, a virtual reality driving simulator the impact on drivers' behaviours and um, and their perceptions of the real aesthetic tunnel uh, treatments that uh, we um, have that we will see um, have been implemented in Sydney's North Connects Road Tunnel. Uh, next slide, please, Julius. Uh, road tunnels, as you can see on the slide, have uh, quite a number of benefits. Uh, some of which we maybe don't often think about and take for granted. And as uh, Richard has mentioned, um, tunnels are becoming longer and um, and they're increasing in, in, num in numbers around the world and also in Sydney. Um, and there is some evidence that um, uh, drivers perceive driving in, in road tunnels um, uh, more negatively than they do on open roads, um, especially if they're driving through the sorts of um, you know, sort of tunnel environments that we just saw in that um, in that video. Um, but if we have well-designed uh, aesthetic tunnel um, treatments, uh, they have potential to make the driving experience a much more positive one. Next slide, please, Julius. Uh, here are some examples of what we mean by aesthetic design features, and we'll be talking about um, the one specifically in the North Connex uh, tunnel shortly. But you can see that. Um, Australia is not the only place in which these uh, treatments have been implemented. Uh, next slide, please, Julius. Um, it was very interesting for us to discover that very few studies um, have actually evaluated the effectiveness of aesthetic tunnel, uh, tunnel design features, um, and especially ones like the ones that uh, we have evaluated. Um, there are some studies that have found, for example, that um, Light coloured walls uh, are more effective than uh, high illumination in keeping drivers' attention focused on um, the, uh, the forward road ahead. Um, uh, there's some evidence that these features can provide a greater visual stimulation to drivers without necessarily distracting them or having any negative effects on, on driving performance. And there are other studies that have looked at um, wall markings uh, called rhythm curves that um, have been found to reduce driver reaction time to uh, changes in driving speed and um, improved ability to judge speed. Next slide, please, Julius. So what I'm gonna do is uh, hand over now to um, Prasanna to talk to you about um, the experimental methodology for this study, and I'll come back a bit later. Thank you, Prasanna. Thanks, Mike. Um, so I'm gonna talk about the methodology, as Mike mentioned. Um, the study design that we employed was a within subjects design, uh, and that basically means that all participants that took part in the study uh, completed all of the drives that we had created. And we'd created the, the four separate drives. So we had a, um, a treated version, which is a one-for-one -one replication of the North Connects tunnel. Uh, and we had the northbound um, travel lane as well as the southbound travel lane. 
And then we had two baseline drives as well. And this was with all of the design features removed. So we wanted to be able to compare what the impact of the design features were uh, compared to when the design features weren't in the tunnel. And these were delivered in a counterbalanced order. So you can see orders A through to D. And so there was no order effects. Those order effects would be um, washed out. In terms of the procedure, um, uh, participants would arrive and they would complete a consent form. Once they consented to participating in the study, we'd get them into the driving simulation rig uh, and we'd calibrate them uh, with the virtual reality um, headset as well as um, in the driving simulator rig. Once they were all calibrated, we got them to complete a practice drive. And the purpose of the practice drive was twofold. One was to familiarise them with um, the uh, virtual reality environment. But the second was also for us to be able to assess whether um, individuals uh, were displaying any symptoms of simulator sickness. And the way that we measured that was not only by watching the participants' physical behaviours, but we also asked them to complete um, a simulator sickness questionnaire at the end of the practice drive. The participant was okay to continue and we felt that they were um, sufficiently, uh, that they didn't exhibit any simulator sickness. We got the participants to complete the four test drives that I mentioned before, uh, again, in a counterbalanced order. Following each of the drives, we got them to complete a simulator sickness questionnaire, but we also got them to complete a drive questionnaire. And I'll go into a bit more detail about what that drive questionnaire uh, involves a little bit later on. Once they'd completed all four of the drives, we then got the, uh, participants to complete a post-study questionnaire, and then we debriefed them on the, um, the purpose of the, of the study. Uh, Julius and I are now going to talk about the materials and apparatus. So, uh, next slide. So, this slide shows the traditional virtual reality driving simulator that was utilised the, as the testing platform in the study. The components are listed on the slide. We use a virtual reality headset with eye tracking sensors to detect participants' eye gaze during their track in the simulated tunnel. We also use a steering wheel with force feedback motor, a hydraulic pedal set, and for the software, we use a simulated platform developed in-house at our research center. The simulated vehicle was modeled after a 2018 Toyota RAV4, which is a common vehicle model in New South Wales at that time. So in this study, we developed two versions of the NorConnex tunnel environments. The first one is the baseline tunnel with a generic New South Wales tunnel layout, which contains no aesthetic design feature, while the second one is a treated versions of the tunnel with aesthetic design features incorporated. This treated tunnel versions is replicating the aspect conditions of the real NorConnex tunnels. We use CAD drawings, specifications, and photographs that we took inside the NorConnex tunnels to model the simulator environments. So they are able to faithfully replicate the real tunnel condition as well as their way out. So the two videos on the slides here presents the northbound and southbound treated NorConnex tunnel that were implemented in our simulator. The two tables on the slide show the aesthetic design features that were replicated in the northbound and southbound simulated North Connex tunnels. The left image in each table presents photographs of the real features that we took during a site visit at the real tunnel. This can be compared with the simulator image as shown on the right. 
As you can see from the image, we think that we are able to replicate the design features with high degree of accuracy in the simulator. Next, I will hand over to Prasanna again, who will talk about the questionnaire that were administered during the experiment. Over to you, Prasanna. Thanks, Julius. So, um, as I mentioned before, um, we, we got participants to complete a number of questionnaires, specifically the simulator sickness questionnaire, the drive questionnaire, and the post-study questionnaire. The simulator sickness questionnaire, again, as I mentioned, um, was administered after each one of the drives. And this was a standardized questionnaire that's been developed by Kennedy et al. Uh, to, to uh, 1993. The drive questionnaire was administered after each of the test drives, so each of the four test drives. And they had a number of different sections where we were really trying to understand what people's perceptions were of the drive that they'd just completed. So in addition to driver perception, we also wanted to know about their feelings and their driving, their self-assessed driving performance. And we measured um, all of these dimensions on a seven-point Likert scale uh, from not at all to very. So for example, um, a feeling might be uh, that they were not at all excited by the tunnel to very excited by the tunnel. The post-study questionnaire was administered at the end of the um, fourth drive. And this captured um, a whole bunch of uh, different variables about the entire study, uh, including their uh, recognition and their spatial awareness of where the aesthetic features were, their feelings, their interpretation about um, what the design intent was of the features. And we also captured a number of demographic um, uh, details as well. Thanks. Next slide, Um, it seems we lost Julius. I'm not sure. Julius, can you hear us? Um, you cannot um, move through the slides? No. Um, Prasanna, uh, do you mind if I will uh, transition to you? So it's slide no, 27. No mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, so I will uh, hand over to you. Uh, it's on its way. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Excellent. So it's now um, we'll talk about uh, the results from study one. Uh, yes. So, uh, sorry, can you hear me now? Yep. Yeah. So study one of the project generated four key data sets as shown on the slide. The first data set is the vehicle kinematics data that were collected by the simulator software and eye tracker sensor. This data set comprises of vehicle kinematics parameters, such as vehicle speed, accelerations, and lateral positions. These data sets also record eye case data collected by the eye tracker sensor, which enabled us to pinpoint where the participants were looking at at any point in their drive. The second and third data sets are the participants' responses in the drive and post-study questionnaires that we collected after each test drive sessions. As explained by Prasanna previously, 
these include data on their subjective perceptions and ratings, as well as free text comments regarding the aesthetic design features and experience while driving inside the tunnels. The last data that we collected are continuous video footages of participants view in VR headset from each simulator drive. These videos can be reviewed if there is anything particular at any sections in the tunnel that warrant closer looks. Now I will hand over to Mike who will describe the demographics of participants who joined this, particip uh, this experiment. Over to you, Mike. Great, thank you, Julius. As you can see, we had um, a total of 24 people uh, complete the study. Uh, most of them were aged between 30 and 44, and you can see the um, breakdown in the age uh, ranges in that table on the right-hand side. Um, uh, around 40% uh, were females. Um, you can see that uh, we had a pretty highly educated population because it was during COVID that we were running the study and it was easy to get um, participants from the university during that uh, period, uh, especially at a time when uh, outsiders weren't allowed actually into the university. Uh, all but one people had a full driver's license. Um, and as you can see, people had, had been driving um, for a generally long time, um, quite regularly. Um, we discovered actually that half of the people had actually driven through one or both directions of the real North Connects tunnel at some stage um, prior to the experiment, and um, I'll talk a bit about that later. Uh, next slide, please, Prasanna. Back to you. Thank you. So I'm going to go into the results. Um, so we measured a number of different variables, as we mentioned before. Um, the variable that I'm going to talk about is uh, the driver's behaviour within the tunnels. Uh, when it comes to mean speed, we found that there was no significant differences uh, between the two, uh, between those that drove in the baseline tunnel compared to those that drove in the treated tunnel. There was one exception, uh, and that was uh, when uh, drivers were going past the white forest treatment in the northbound direction. But as you can see, uh, the, the the significant difference was um, equated to 2.3 kilometres per hour faster in the treated tunnel compared to the baseline tunnel. In terms of speed violations, so exceeding the speed limit, there was no significant differences between those in the baseline versus treated tunnels. Uh, standard deviation of lane position, so how much they were moving within the lane, there was again no significant differences overall, but there was one exception, and again that was in the southbound direction um, uh, with the starscape treatment. But again, you can see that it's a very, very small um, uh, difference in terms of uh, performance in the treated tunnel versus baseline tunnel. And this is one of the, the significant advantages of being able to measure something in a, sim, in a simulated environment is that you can get statistical significance um, at such a high degree of precision because we are measuring at such a, a, a high um, fidelity. Standard deviation of acceleration, so how much this acceleration was varying was also not different uh, in, this, in the baseline tunnel compared to, to the treated tunnel. Uh, when it comes to eye gaze, so where they were looking in the tunnel, unsurprisingly, there was a higher proportion of um, participants that were looking at the features when they were present compared to uh, uh, the, uh, the same locations in the baseline tunnels. 
Um, the exception to this was in both cases in the northbound and the southbound treatments, the native birds um, that were at the entrances of those tunnels, there was no significant differences between baseline and treatment. When we look at drivers' perceptions, so their self-reported perceptions of the tunnel, um, participants found the treated tunnels to be more visually interesting, more attractive, more memorable, and less monotonous. And you can see here in terms of how much they liked each one of the features, you can see that there's quite a number of um, uh, features that were highly rated, including the starscape, the blue forest and speed lines. And there were other treatments that were um, not liked as much, such as the white forest and the organic panels or the panelling on the, um, the sides of the tunnels. From in terms of experiences um, and the types of um, imagery that participants found that the designers were trying to, um, the, 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 the imagery that they thought the designers were trying to conjure up, you find that uh, both for the northbound and the southbound tunnels, people found that they were conjuring up imagery of birds, but also that the purpose of these uh, features was to change their driving state or their feelings. With the northbound tunnel, there was more um, feelings around nature and trees. And in the southbound tunnel, they found it to be more futuristic. There was um, a, a sense of outer space, stars. They were some of the themes that were um, that were um, re respondents uh, put down. I'm going to hand over to Julius now to talk about our driver states and spatial awareness. Thank you, Prasanna. This slide presents the results of subjective perception questionnaires that were administered after each simulator drive for both the baseline and the treatment tunnels. The first table on the top is the actual questions that was presented to participants. They were asked to read each driving state measure on a seven scale Likert ratings from best to worst, while the second table below shows the analysis results. Based on this, we can see that participants reported that they were able to significantly uh, feel less bored, less sleepy, more alert in the treated tunnel when compared to the baseline tunnels. On the other hand, participants also reported that they were no more distracted, calm, tense, or relaxed in the treated tunnels. Or in other words, we can see that the findings confirm that the aesthetic design features in the Norconex tunnels could induce several positive perceptions and driver states. Furthermore, we also found no discernible evidence that the treatments cause any distraction to drivers. Next slide, please, Prasanna. In a post-study questionnaire, we also asked participants whether they could recognize image of the design features that were modeled in the simulated tunnels. To minimize bias, a total of 16 images were presented. Eight of those images are real features that present in the Norconex tunnels, while the remaining eight images show dummy design features that were not actually present in the tunnels. Two examples of the dummy features are shown on the slide. The left image was taken from a Norwegian tunnel, while the right image was a feature that was actually found in the Sydney Westconnex M8 tunnel. The aim of this question was to determine if there's any design features in the Norconex tunnels that was distinctly memorable to participants when compared to the dummy features that were not present in the tunnel. 
from the results, we can see that most of the real design features in the NorConnect tunnel were correctly identified by participants. Only the native birds and wet forest treatments were not correctly recognized by majority of participants. This is consistent with the eye tracker data results, which found no difference in visual glance behavior at those two features. A possible explanation is that the native bird features are located at the tunnel entry portals, an area which are known to be allocations of high cognitive load, where drivers were focusing on the task of transitioning safely from external highway environment to the internal tunnel environment. Next slide, please, Persena. To further test participant recognition of features, they were also asked to guess the locations of each design features inside the tunnel. And based on the results uh, as shown on the table here, most participants were able to correctly identify the locations of the starscape, the blue forest, the native birds, and the white forest features. Only two features where the locations were not well remembered by, by participants. They are the speed lines and the organic wall patterns. This finding suggests that most of the design features could be utilized by drivers as spatial landmarks to gauge how far they had traveled along the tunnel. Next slide, please, Persena. Next, participants were also asked if they were able to guess the directions of travel, whether it is traveling from country to city or from city to country, just by looking at the order of presentations of the aesthetic design features in the tunnel. The location and choice of colors of the design features inside the NorConnex tunnels were actually intended to provide some visual cues regarding the directions of travel. For example, in the northbound tunnel, the color of the tunnel wall patterns progressively changed from yellow to green, while on the other directions, the wall colors progressively changed from green to yellow in the southbound tunnel. The color yellow here is actually meant to represent the color of Sydney sandstone, which is commonly found in Sydney suburbs, while green is hinting on the Kuringai National Park. The analysis results revealed that the designer's intent were able to be correctly identified by around half of the participants. It is important to note that this study was conducted just after the opening of the North Connex tunnels, so many of the participants have never driven through the tunnel before their participations. Next, I will hand over to Prasanna and Mike, who will discuss the findings from this study. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Thanks, Julius. So I'm just going to recap on some of the key findings. So uh, when we're talking about driver behaviour, we found that there was virtually no significant differences in driving performance when we compared the treated drives to the baseline drive tunnels. Um, any significance that we did find, we the authors um, concluded that it was unlikely to have any real-world practical implication. And this is despite the fact that people spent longer looking at the features. So there was no discernible difference in uh, driving performance despite looking at the features. When it comes to driver perceptions, treated tunnels were found to be more visually interesting, more attractive, more memorable and less monotonous. And in particular, the starscape, the blue forest, the speed lines and the native birds were some of the mo most liked features. In treated tunnels, drivers reported that they felt less bored, they felt less sleepy, and they were much more alert. 
Um, and this is these are all positive attributes when it comes to um, enhancing the driving experience in these treated tunnels. In terms of spatial awareness, we found that um, most features were well recognised, except for the native birds. And as Julius mentioned, what we attributed this to the high cognitive workload that we know um, occurs at the entrance and exits to tunnels. And so it makes sense that uh, there would be less attention paid to these features because drivers are paying more attention uh, to the transition from outside to inside the tunnel. The most correctly identified, um, uh, most participants correctly identified uh, the approximate location of the features. And so this supports the idea that we could use these features as landmarks, uh, particularly in extended and long tunnels, uh, to give people an indication of how far uh, through the tunnel they are. Only around half of the participants uh, correctly identified the design intent of the design features. So uh, it wasn't it, the, the message that the designers were trying to get across didn't come through as strongly as we had hoped. I'm going to hand over to Mike to talk about some of the other uh, discussion points that we identified. Uh, thank you, Prasanna. So I'll finish off the study now. I've just got a few uh, slides. Um, as I mentioned before, there are very few studies that have evaluated um, or tried to evaluate the impact of uh, aesthetic design features of the kind that we uh, have talked about. Um, drivers in this study spent uh, significantly more time looking at almost all of the design features in the treated tunnel, as Persona said, than at the um, equivalent locations in the untreated baseline tunnel. But uh, as we've discovered, uh, there weren't any discernible there was no discernible evidence in the, in the driving performance data, at least, that driving performance was compromised um, in the treated tunnel compared to the untreated tunnel. And that seems to be consistent with uh, findings from an earlier study in 2015. Uh, participants in our study, um, as we explained, reported feeling uh, significantly less sleepy and more alert in the treated tunnel. And, and again, that seems consistent um, at least in part with some uh, work back in 2017, um, where Zeng and colleagues found that sidewall markings uh, relieved visual fatigue. Uh, next slide, please, Prasanna. Um, like all studies, uh, there were some uh, limitations of the study um, that we should talk about. Uh, one of them is that um, half of the participants had actually driven through one or both directions in the real North Connects tunnel, um, we didn't actually screen for screen out people who had driven through one or both directions of the tunnel at the time, uh, mainly because of um, uh, difficulties in actually getting participants um, in the study during COVID. Um, it's possible that that might have brought uh, to the experiment um, some uh, preconceived thoughts and experiences. Um, that might have influenced people's behaviour and perceptions in the simulated North Connects tunnel. Um, and we could actually analyse the data further uh, to compare the data for the for the two groups, but we haven't, haven't done that uh, at this stage anyway. Um, there were some slight design differences between the simulated and um, uh, real tunnels that weren't picked up in planning or, or the programming stages. Um, so the stars in our simulated treated tunnel uh, didn't twinkle. We, we didn't actually uh, pick that up, but they do twinkle in the real tunnel. 
Um, and there was a very slight difference in the ambient light color hues for the starscape design feature. Um, but we don't know whether these slight differences would have had any significant effect on driving behavior or any of the um, self-reported perceptions that um, people um, produce that we've talked about. Next slide, please, Prasanna. Uh, in terms of future research, uh, there was one research study that um, Ostrides wanted carried out um, uh, after this study, which is in fact the next study that we'll be talking about, and we'll talk about um, that study in the um, in the next presentation. Next slide, please, Prasanna. So in conclusion, as you can see, the aesthetic design features um, did bring about a number of uh, positive perceptions um, and driver states and uh, did in fact enhance spatial awareness of the tunnel environment on the whole. Um, most of the design features attracted attention as you expect they would, but we couldn't see in the driving performance data any, um, any discernible evidence that this diversion of attention uh, compromised driving performance, at least in this study as, as designed. Um, uh, that's the end. Next slide, please, Prasanna. Uh, that's the end of uh, study one. Uh, and what I'm going to do now is to introduce uh, study two, which was the validation study. So um, uh, next slide, please, Prasanna. So I'll just talk briefly um, about the uh, introduction to the experiment. Uh, the purpose of this study was to validate the virtual reality driving simulator um, that we had actually used in study one as a means of developing and testing um, internal aesthetic design features, um, either in a proposed or, or, or an operational road tunnel. Um, in this case, um, the first study was, was about testing the features in an actual operational tunnel, but you could do the same thing for a, a proposed tunnel. Uh, next slide, please, Prasanna. Um, in study one, as we explained, participants drove through a, a simulated version of the uh, North Connex tunnel uh, with and without the aesthetic design features. Um, um, in study two, which is the study that I'll talk about and my colleagues will talk about, um, a separate group of participants um, came to the uni and they drove uh, through both the simulated tunnel with the aesthetic design features. So in other words, the treated simulated tunnel that we just talked about, um, and this time in the real North Connex tunnel. And when they drove the, re the real North Connex tunnel, they were, they were driving in an instrumented vehicle. And, and the aim of uh, study two was to establish what we call the validity of the virtual reality driving simulator that we used in study one for, for as I explained, uh, enabling valid testing of driving behavior and performance in, um, uh, in this case, the Sydney North Connex uh, tunnel. Uh, next slide, please, Prasanna. I just wanted to explain um, that there are two kinds of, um, I've actually lost the slides on my screen, Prasanna. Thank you. Um, there are two kinds of uh, simulator validity. Um, there's what's called absolute validity, and that's demonstrated when uh, the numerical value of a measure that we collect in the simulated tunnel and the real tunnel are, are identical or very similar. So for example, um, uh, mean speed and lane position um, 
uh, you might we might find are very similar in the simulated and real tunnels, which would be indicative of um, a simulator that had absolute validity. The other kind of validity is what we call relative validity, and um, that's demonstrated when the numerical values of a measure or measures collected in a simulated and um, in a real tunnel are in the same direction. So, for example, uh, drivers who exceed the speed limit in the uh, simulated treated tunnel uh, also exceed the speed limit in the real tunnel, even if the absolute uh, speeds um, in the two tunnels um, are slightly different. Uh, next slide, please, Prasanna. Um, again, we're quite surprised that there were very few simulated validation studies that have been reported in the scientific literature, um, given that simulators are, are used routinely to do research, but hardly anyone has actually validated their simulators and reported the findings in the published literature. And there was only one study uh, that we discovered um, that had been conducted to specifically assess the validity of a driving simulator for tunnel research, and that was by uh, Tornros back in 1998 using the, um, the VTI uh, simulator in Sweden. Um, and they were able to demonstrate um, relative validity, the relative validity of their simulator, but not absolute validity, as I've just described. And in study two, the one that we're talking about now, um, uh, we agreed with Ostrodes to focus on establishing, at least in this study, the absolute validity of the um, virtual reality uh, driving simulator that we used in study one. But as we'll go on to explain, we also um, uh, poked around at the data to see what evidence there might be for relative validity as well. But the main focus in designing the experiment was to look at absolute validity. Um, uh, over to you now, uh, Prasanna. Thank you. So I'll be talking about the experimental methodology that we used again. Uh, we had a total of 24 participants, including uh, as well as two uh, pilot participants that were recruited for this study. It was again a within subjects design, so each participant drove uh, both the simulated uh, uh, the simulated North Connects tunnel in the virtual reality driving simulator, exactly like they did in study one. But in addition to that study, in addition to that drive, they also drove in the real North Connects tunnel uh, in an instrumented vehicle. Uh, all participants completed both the north and the southbound versions of uh, both the simulated tunnel as well as the real tunnel. Uh, I'll now hand over to Julius uh, and we'll talk about uh, the materials and apparatus. Thank you, Prasanna. So there are two testing platforms that we were utilized for study two of this project. The first one is a virtual reality driving simulator, which has identical setup as the simulator used in study one. The simulator was relocated to the Norconex Motorway Control Center to minimize the travel time for participants. For the 3D vehicle models, we use a 2019 Toyota Camry Hybrid, which is the same model as the test vehicle in the real tunnel. The second testing platform that we use is a 2019 Toyota Camry Hybrid that was kindly provided to us by Transport for New South Wales for the purpose of this study. All driver's assistant features of the car, such as lane departure assist and adaptive cruise control, 
were, dis were disabled so that participants had full control of the car. However, critical safety features such as airbags, EPS, and stability control remain active for participants' safety. The instrumented car was equipped with data collection instrument, which comprised of two lighter distance sensor mounted on the left and right rear doors of the car, which continuously measured the vehicle lateral positions throughout the tunnels. The car was also fitted with a vehicle kinematics data recorder, which collect kinematics informations, such as speed, accelerations, decelerations, and throttle pedal input throughout the drive. In addition, a forward and a backward facing video cameras were mounted on the interior side windscreen to record drive video footages and participants' eye case. A schematic diagram and a photo of the data collector setup was shown on the slide. Now I'll hand over to Prasanna again to explain about the questionnaire that we administered. So over to you, Prasanna. Thanks, Julius. So the questionnaires that we administered were identical to study one. Again, the simulator sickness questionnaire, the drive questionnaires, and the post-study questionnaires. Uh, we did this in order to be able to kind of um, match the two studies together to make sure that they were equivalent um, and that uh, we weren't getting a different cohort uh, responding in a different way to study one. Um, I, I don't need to go into too much more detail than that. Uh, I might hand over to uh, the team to discuss the results now. Thank you, Prasanna. So, study two generated six key data sets as shown on the slide here. On top of the data collected by the simulator software and questionnaire, which are the same as study one and have been explained previously, we also collected additional data from the instrumented vehicle, particularly data on vehicle kinematics and drive video. Next, Mike will explain the demographics of study two participants. Uh, over to you, Mike. Uh, thank you, Julius. Um, in this study, we had uh, 26 participants who completed the study. Uh, most were aged, as you can see, between 20 and 65 years of age. Uh, just over 42% uh, were 42% were females. Um, we also had a, um, a bias towards uh, people who were um, more highly educated, as in the previous study. Um, only one, as in the previous study, didn't have a full Australian driver's license. Uh, most of them had uh, quite a bit of driving experience. They drove regularly, and in this case, uh, one third of the, um, the participants had driven through one or both directions of the real North Connects tunnel at some time prior to um, undertaking the study. Uh, so I'm gonna hand over now to Nick, who hasn't spoken before. Um, one of our uh, data analysts. Uh, thank you, Nick, to start through the uh, analysis of the data. Um, and I might say that uh, Jack has come on. Um, he's in Amsterdam at the moment. Um, he's been on the line since uh, 10 to 4 this morning. Um, and he actually looks in better shape than I do. So thanks for joining us, Jack. Uh, but over to you first, Nick. No worries. Thanks, Mike. Uh, in this study, we aim to validate the virtual reality driving simulator for the use as a means of developing and testing the in-tunnel aesthetic design features uh, in either a proposed or operational road tunnel. To achieve this, we conducted an experiment that involved collecting two data sets. The first, um, a group of participants who drove in an instrumented vehicle through the real North Connects tunnel. 
and the other from the same group of participants who drove through the simulated North Connects tunnel in a driving simulator. And our primary objective um, uh, to do this was to assess the absolute validity of the driving simulator. And to achieve this, we collected several, several measures of driving performance and self-reported experiences in the simulated and real tunnels. Um, our, validity, our validity measures and perform statistical tests to determine whether there were any significant differences between these variables in the two environments. Uh, the environment, uh, the variables that we compared were the mean speed, the mean standard deviation of speed, mean lateral lane position, uh, mean standard deviation of lateral lane position, and the subjective questionnaire responses. We chose to study these variables because they've been shown in previous literature to be consistently reliable measures and allow for direct comparison between the simulator and real world data. Additionally, we analyzed the standard deviation for each variable to assess the variability of the data around the mean value. By analyzing these independent variables, we're able to determine whether driving performance or and self-reported behaviors in the real world tunnel were replicated in the simulator. Before proceeding, I'd just like to highlight that the variables that are bolded on the slide are the ones that demonstrated absolute validity for the great majority of sections in the tunnel. This means that for these variables, the numerical values collected in the simulated and real tunnel were similar or identical. Uh, the data collected during this experiment was non-normally distributed and did contain some outliers. Next slide, please. These characteristics of distribution um, of the data necessitated the use of a non-parametrical uh, statistical test, uh, which we chose as the Wilcoxon signed rank test. And we chose this over a parametric test such as the paired t-test due, due to its advantages, um, because it does not assume uh, the data normality, it is very robust to outliers, and it has applicable to small sample sizes like ours. This statistical test enabled us to determine whether there were any statistically significant differences between the numerical values for the validity measures collected in the simulated and real tunnels. Thanks, Julius. The first measure that we use to validate the driving simulator is speed. In the instrumented vehicle, real-time real speed data were recorded from the vehicle onboard text diagnostic to port in kilometers per hour units. The data were recorded at five first frequency. On the other hand, speed data for the simulator track were recorded by the simulator software at 60 hertz frequency and also in kilometers per hour units. For consistency of 5% adjustment factors were applied to adjust the recorded speed. The reason for doing this is because the speed as indicated on the car speedometer is actually 5% higher than the actual traveling speed as recorded by the vehicle computer and GPS readings. The data were also reduced to 1 Hz frequency by calculating the average value for each seconds. For this speed measure, we validate the simulator in terms of mean speed as well as standard deviation of speed. The second validation parameter that we look at is the lateral lane positions. Lateral lane position was defined as the deviations of vehicle position from the center of the driving lane. And this is illustrated on the slide. Negative lateral lane position means that the vehicle is driving closer to the left tunnel walls. 
while positive lateral in position means that the vehicle is driving closer to the right panel walls relative to the center of the driving lead. LiDAR sensors mounted on the left and right rear car doors were used to capture real-time data on distance to the tunnel walls during the real Norconex tunnel drive. The data were collected at a frequency of 5 Hz. Lateral in position the simulator was recorded by the simulator software by calculating the distance between the vehicle geometric center and the lane markings. For data analysis purpose, lateral in position data as recorded by the simulator and the instrumented car were reduced to a frequency of 1 Hz by calculating the average value for each seconds. And for this lateral in positions, we validated the simulator in terms of mean lateral in positions as well as standard deviations of the lateral in position. As you can see on the slide here, the tunnel was subdivided into several subsections for the purpose of data analysis. The image shown on the slide is the subsection that we applied for the northbound tunnels. The each, for each subsection, subsections contains an aesthetic design features. This approach enabled us uh, to study each features in isolation from adjacent sections and also in isolation from other untreated sections in the tunnel so that they can be analyzed in greater details. And similarly, the image on the slide here shows the subsections that we used for the southbound Norconex tunnels. Next, I will hand over to Nick again uh, to present the outcomes of the analysis. Over to you, Nick. Thanks, Julius. Um, so in this section, I'm going to talk to you about the analysis of the speed data um, between the uh, Norconex tunnel and then the simulator. Next slide, please. So just before I um, begin, if you're struggling to read um, the, the graphs that we present in this section, please download the um, PDF version for, for a bit of a high-res um, image. Um, and before I also begin, I'm just going to quickly explain how to read um, the box plot graphs that we're displaying here. So the box plot graphs are just a way to display um, the whole data set like a snapshot instead of listing out every score. Um, and it shows you how, how spread out the scores are without getting bogged down in the details. So the top and bottom line show the absolute highest and lowest scores anyone got. The middle box represents the middle ground of the scores. The line across the middle um, uh, separates the bottom 25% of the scores from the top 75% of the scores. And then the whiskers show um, how far the spread of the scores reaches beyond the middle 50%. So now that we understand a little bit, I'll um, proceed with talking through the analysis. For here, we um, are comparing the northbound speed results um, for the North Connects tunnel. The boxes highlighted in yellow show the, show the different segments of the tunnel Julius was talking about, where the statistical analysis showed that there were, were a difference. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, for the sections 9, sections 13 and 17, there were differences, but none of these sections contained an aesthetic design feature. Next slide, please. Uh, similarly, for the southbound um, uh, tunnel, uh, it was uh, these uh, two sections here showed outliers and difference. In terms of the actual results, you can see how the uh, simulator was a bit more varied. There are a few more outliers, which may um, draw some conclusions about how the uh, drivers found and participated in the simulator. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, sections 11 and 15 um, were uh, did contain some differences, but 
but none of these feature, uh, sections uh, contain an aesthetic design feature as well. Next slide. Uh, so for this is we're now looking at the standard deviation of the speed. Um, and in case of the standard deviation, it, it's a measure of the smoothness of which the drivers drive through the tunnel. And so an uneven speed through the tunnel may create uh, congestion or, or cause rear-end crashes. For the analysis purposes for the northbound, you can see here how uh, all sections were, uh, you know, uh, the statistics show that they were um, all very similar and there was a pretty even distribution, which might suggest that the simulator was quite ap uh, applicable um, uh, like a vehicle to compare the speed between the simulator and the actual uh, real camera. Next slide, please. Yeah, and next slide, please. And similarly for the southbound, there was one section here where the uh, results were statistically uh, different. Next slide. And section 12 was in the section with uh, speed lines aesthetic design feature. Next slide. Great, thanks, Nick. So now I'm going to talk about the validation of lateral lane positioning. Uh, we measured the mean lane positioning and also the standard deviation of lane positioning. And again, the diagram on the right just highlights how we actually measured uh, the lateral lane positioning uh, figure and data in the real virtual, oh, sorry, in the real North Connects tunnel. Next slide, please. So just to quickly explain the graph. So if we see on the left-hand side of the box plot, uh, it says zero, uh, centimeters 20 centimeters 40 and so on both positive and negative so for example the box plot just first one to the right uh, which is sitting at, at roughly 10 plus 10 centimeters uh, that shows that the drivers average 10 centimeters to the right of the middle of the lane so for the northbound main lateral lane positioning we see overall that there was a larger distribution of lateral lane position for the simulator data that being that there was a greater range of scores and there was also more outliers in the simulated data. Uh, lane spacing for all northbound sections was similar, except for section six, which contained a yellow wall texture. Uh, next slide, please. And next slide as well. Uh, now looking at the lateral lane positioning for the southbound tunnel, uh, the lane spacing for all southbound tunnel sections were similar except for section six, which contained the starscape design, section 14, which contained the yellow wall, and section 15, which had no aesthetic design feature. Next slide, please. So in summary, there was very little difference between the real and virtual tunnel in terms of the mean lateral lane positioning. Next slide, please. So we also looked at the standard deviation of lateral lane positioning. So this measure looks at the consistency of how drivers were able to stay within the center of their lane. Uh, it's an important measure to investigators inconsistent lane positioning could lead to side swipes and distraction for other drivers. Uh, there were only two sections where the variation in lateral lane positioning did not differ significantly for the northbound tunnel. And that was section six and 12. And next slide, please. And possible reasons for the amount of differences that we saw in the northbound data will be mentioned in the limitations section of the discussion. 
Next slide, please. And then for the southbound tunnel, there were three sections where the variation in lateral lane positioning did not differ, and they are in section 9, 12, and 14. And next slide, please. And again, possible reasons for these differences will be mentioned in the discussion. Uh, next slide. So as in uh, experiment one, we also looked at the driver's perception questionnaire. Uh, the questionnaire was administered at the end of each drive. Uh, mean scores of each variable are shown in the bottom table. Uh, and the bold figures highlight where there was a significant difference in the driver's perception between the real and virtual North Connects tunnel. Uh, so we first looked at driver's perception. So we measured if, how comfortable, visually interesting, attractive, memorable, and monotonous. They found the two driving environments. So for example, if someone scored a one for how comfortable it was, it meant that they were not comfortable at all. Vice versa, if they scored a six or a seven, it meant that they felt very comfortable. For the northbound tunnel, uh, all variables were the same. And then for the southbound, drivers found that the instrumented tunnel was more visually interesting and also more memorable. Next slide, please. We also looked at the driver's state. So how bored, sleepy, alert, distracted, calm, tense and relaxed they were. For the northbound tunnel, Drivers felt more tense in the simulator. And then in the southbound tunnel, drivers felt more bored. Uh, they felt more, oh, sorry, they felt more bored in the simulator tunnel. They felt more calm in the instrumented tunnel and they also felt more relaxed in the instrumented tunnel as well. Next slide, please. And then finally, we looked at the driver's perceived performance. So how they're, safely their driving felt and also how mentally demanding the driving was for them. Uh, in the northbound tunnel, there was no differences uh, on these metrics. And then for the southbound, uh, drivers felt that there was more mentally demanding driving in the simulator. And over to you, Julius. Thank you, Jack. So just to reiterate the key findings from this study, we established that TrackStep VR driving simulator is able to achieve absolute validity for mean speed. So it means that the simulator is a valid platform for the testing of driver's mean speed in the majority of the tunnel sections. The simulator has also achieved absolute validity for the testing of variability of driver's speed for the majority of the tunnel sections. A statistically significant difference in the standard deviations of speed was observed at only one out of the 32 subsections that we analyzed. In terms of lateral lane position, we found that the PR driving simulator is also a valid platform for the testing of driver's mean lateral lane positions in the majority of the tunnel sections. However, in its present configurations, the simulator is not able to achieve absolute validity for the testing of standard deviations of lateral lane positions. And the report contains some recommendations that can be made to improve the fidelity of the simulator with respect to these particular parameters, mainly related to the need to better calibrate the weight of the steering wheel. And finally, we also found that overall, there was a good correlation between self-reported perceptions from the simulated tunnels and from the real tunnels. 
statistically significant difference were only found in seven out of the 28 assessment measures. And for those measures, participants actually rated their driving experience in the same positive or negative directions. Now I will hand over to Mike to explain about the relative validity of the simulator and also to conclude these presentations. Over to you, Mike. Thank you, Julius. Um, the focus of this study, as we designed it, as I mentioned earlier, was on what we call absolute validity. And um, we've heard uh, all about that during this presentation. But the simulator also exhibited some degree of relative validity, even though, as I mentioned before, uh, we didn't set out specifically to uh, look at relative validity. And for example, in both the um, simulated treated tunnel and the real uh, tunnel, uh, we found that participants drove consistently below the, the speed limit. Um, they tended to increase their speed uh, shortly after uh, entering the tunnel. And subjectively, they rated their tunnel driving experiences um, in the same direction for most of the um, uh, self-reported measures. So we did find some evidence of relative validity as well. Uh, next slide, please, Prasanna. Um, in terms of the relationship with previous findings, as I mentioned um, at the very beginning of this um, presentation, only one uh, study that we know about uh, has actually tested the validity of a, a driving simulator for use um, in road tunnel research. And um, in that particular study back in 1998, using the VTI simulator in Sweden, they were unable to demonstrate absolute validity. Whereas conversely, in our study, um, we were able to demonstrate absolute validity, at least for um, three of the four key variables that we looked at for mean speed, the standard deviation of speed and um, mean or average lateral position. Um, I suppose we can we should point out that that study uh, was conducted in a driving simulator back in 1998, um, even though it was a state of the art simulator at the time. Uh, the technology was uh, much older than the technology um, we had at our disposal. Uh, they used a, a projector system with a, only a 120 degree lateral field of view rather than um, virtual reality goggles, which gave our participants a, a com complete 360 degree lateral um, and longitudinal field of view. So wherever they looked, uh, they were totally immersed within the tunnel environment. Uh, next slide, please, Prasanna. Um, so study two, um, at, at least to our knowledge, um, is the first uh, study ever to demonstrate absolute validity of a virtual reality driving simulator for use in, in road tunnel research. Um, and the findings from the study suggest, as I said, that um, the measures of mean speed, standard deviation of speed and um, mean lateral position that we obtained in study one, um, I think we could conclude from this study were, were valid measures of driving behaviour and performance. Uh, next slide, please, Prasanna. Um, physical fidelity, there are some um, limitations, again, that we sh should note as, as scientists. Um, the physical fidelity of the simulated vehicle um, is something we should mention and was alluded to by uh, Julius. Um, we had a, an oversensitive steering wheel in the driving simulator. Um, and as a result, that meant that people were more variable in their um, 
lateral position in the simulator than they were in the real tunnel. And so what we need is to more accurately calibrate the uh, steering wheel in the, um, in the simulator to make it less sensitive um, and improve the road feel so that the um, simulator does possess a high degree of absolute validity for the standard deviation of lateral lane position. Um, drivers uh, self-reported of perceptions of the simulated uh, southbound uh, North Connects tunnel were, um, as we saw for some measures, inconsistent with those in the real southbound uh, North Connects tunnel. Um, and we think that a better visual um, uh, rendering or refinement, if you want to put it that way, of the starscape feature and the ambient light colour in the simulated southbound tunnel could improve the absolute validity of um, those self-reported perceptions. And as I mentioned, about a third of the uh, participants had reportedly driven through one or both directions of the um, of the Real North Connects Tunnel at some time previous to their involvement in this study. Um, it's possible that that might have um, influenced their perceptions of the simulated tunnel. Um, and if it did, it would have been especially for the participants who were exposed first in the study um, to the simulated tunnel having experienced a real tunnel before. Uh, next slide, please. Um, we thought about what future research would derive from this study. Um, as I mentioned before, relative validity is something that wasn't systematically explored uh, or established. Uh, it wasn't a requirement of this study, but uh, certainly that would be a, a fruitful area of, of further research. Um, in both studies, one and two, um, self-reported subjective perceptions of the aesthetic design features in the simulated North Connects tunnel were collected and reported, as uh, we mentioned. And so we have two sets of data now that are comparable um, for the uh, simulated North Connects, or the simulated treated North Connects tunnel. And so it would be possible for the two uh, different groups of participants in the two studies to uh, see how reliable those uh, findings were for the two different experiments. Um, Julius also mentioned that uh, we collected eye tracking data um, in the uh, virtual uh, reality driving simulator in this, in this study, in the validation study. And we also recorded video data of participants' faces as they were uh, traveling in the instrumented vehicle in the North Connects tunnel. Um, and we could actually analyze that data if we were to do further research to determine uh, exactly where and for how long drivers fixated on certain driving features in both the simulated and real tunnels, um, and to determine to what extent the, the aesthetic design features um, attracted drivers' uh, attention. Uh, next slide, please. So in conclusion, this is the very last slide of the presentations. Um, we did find that the virtual reality driving simulator in this validation study uh, seems to be a valid platform for the assessment of uh, those three variables at least that you can see there, uh, as well as some of the self-reported uh, perceptions of driver state and uh, feelings about the simulator. Um, and we have made some recommendations I've just talked about for further research and for um, further improving the validity of the, um, the driving simulator for use in um, future road tunnel research. And um, so I'd like 
to uh, thank you on behalf of the UNSW team for your attention and particularly uh, Jack for joining us from Amsterdam so early today. So I'll hand back now to um, Nigel. Thank you, Nigel. Thanks, Mike. Uh, the, I'm going to just uh, host a, a bit of a Q&A and I'll call on uh, some of my presenting colleagues uh, as we go to answer some of the questions that the attendees have posed in the chat. I was struck with something that you said there, Mike, uh, by association. The, uh, this is a project where science meets engineering, isn't it? Uh, your phrase there, as scientists, we need to identify the, the you know, the strengths and benefits of the, of the study. Uh, look, I, again, I'd like to thank and congratulate the presenters uh, on the success of the project. Uh, look, it's a substantial body of work and a diverse range of skills, as, as we've heard today. Uh, but also, I'd like to say, look, presentation clarity of, of presenting the complex concepts uh, was very clear today. Um, I'd just like to go back on, a, on the, the key, some of the key findings for me and then introduce a couple of questions. The key findings, the treatments uh, you found in the study didn't provide any dis discernible distraction. Well, that's a great outcome for us in emboldening design of tunnel space. Uh, there's no significant difference in driver performance between the treated and baseline tunnels. Uh, very interesting, the recognition of the different design features. Over 80% recognition of the speed line and starscape features. Less recognition of others due to cognitive load, perhaps, at entrances. Uh, my first question, I think, is to uh, perhaps Mike and Julius. Uh, and it's about the validation study. You know, we validated the use of the TraxLab simulator uh, and therefore, we validated the results of study one. Uh, to what extent does that validation apply to other simulators or variations to the simulate, simulation equipment at TraxLab? I'm not quite sure I understand exactly the question. If I, if I may pose it again and um, more clearly, perhaps say that you had an upgrade of the equipment at at uh, Or City, the simulated equipment. The, to what extent would the validation that you have achieved here, uh, you know, how could we rely on uh, an updated or improved version uh, of TraxLab as as time evolves? Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. Well, I think I sort of answered that, I think, when I was talking about some of the limitations of the study. So we talked about, for example, um, uh, reducing the oversensitivity of the steering wheel, uh, improving the road feel of the steering wheel. Um, of course, the research that we did found no discernible evidence in the driving performance data. Uh, what we didn't do was to analyse the, um, the eye gaze data. Uh, so what we don't know is whether when people were, uh, when their attention was attracted to the features, whether there's something else that they might have missed that was going on in the tunnel at the time. So I, I, I think my answer to the question is the fidelity of the simulator is high enough and the validity is um, significant enough, I think, to do pretty much any validation, any research we want to do um, on um, 
uh, on aesthetic design features in road tunnels. Uh, it's more a matter of uh, what other things can we get out of the data that we can collect that we didn't get out of the data um, in the experiments that we um, ran for this program. Thanks, Mike. Sorry, Julius. Oh, yes. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I just want to add on, on the points that Mike has mentioned. So uh, this particular project has given us plenty of experience with simulator validations. And uh, uh, in TrackStep, we always keep developing our simulator. So uh, the next versions of the simulator actually uh, will be developed to address some limitations that we found during this study. So for example, with the current setup that we used for the study, the simulator was set up as a stationary simulators, which means there's no uh, simulations of physical movement. Um, but uh, we are currently working to uh, basically address that issue by adding like a motion piece to the simulator. So we can even improve the fidelity of the simulator uh, in the future by having this uh, physical movement translated into the, the, the simulator. So, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Julius. I'm going to pose a question to Prasanna now, and it's a question in the, in the chat. Uh, was there traffic in the real tunnel? And if so, did you simulate traffic in the virtual reality simulator? Can you tell us how you designed that in the in the two studies? Perhaps, Prasanna, would you like to yeah. lead with it once? Yeah, so we specifically didn't uh, include traffic in study one. Uh, and that was done on purpose for the, the main reason for that is we wanted to have free flowing traffic. So we didn't want the behavior of the participant to be impacted by other vehicles. So we wanted to get a clean measure of how their performance was, um, but how their behaviors were. If they're interacting with vehicles, it's unpredictable. And so we end up with uh, too much variation in the data that would make it meaningful. Um, in terms of how realistic that is, that's the beauty of experimental design is that if you have a baseline study, if you have a baseline uh, tunnel and you have a treated tunnel, and the only thing that changes between those two is the aesthetic design features, then any differences that we see between those two tunnels, we can causally attribute to those design features. So that's 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 one of the um, the beauties of being able to do that in a simulated environment compared to doing it in the real world where we've got all these extraneous variables that could impact how a, um, a participant would perform. Uh, study two then kind of adds to that to be able to show, well, how is performance um, in the real world compared to um, study. So the, the, the two studies um, complement each other quite well. Uh, thanks, Prasanna. Look, I'm just looking at the questions here. Uh, and there's a question from Raphael, which I'll pose to Richard. Uh, have there been any studies looking at the speed limit in the tunnel and risk of having a crash? For example, 80 kilometer per hour versus raising the speed limit to 90 kilometers per hour, which the current New South Wales government is proposing. Uh, would you like to respond to that, Richard? Yes, I have a go, Nigel. Great question. Um, I believe the uh, speed increases being applied to some of the WestConnex network um, in the first or second quarter of next year. Um, I don't believe that um, we've done any assessments um, using the driving simulator. However, I believe that the um, 
Transport for New South Wales, um, Centre for Road Safety, um, and um, and and through geometric design reviews have reviewed all of that um, and uh, have concluded that it's uh, safe to safe for that increase. Yeah, thank you, Richard. The, uh, I'll pose a question. It might be for Jack or for Nick. Um, did you consider using equivalence tests rather than using null hypothesis significance testing to validate the simulator? Now, that seems like it's a statistical methods question, so I was posing it to Nick and to Jack. Or would anybody else like to field that question? And that's come in from Karen. Let me repeat it. Did you consider yeah. using equivalence tests? Over to you. Yeah, so the, in designing the experiment, we based a lot of the, uh, the uh, statistical testing off what was done in past research, um, just so that it had, we knew it would have the highest degree of validity. Um, we didn't really, um, we considered equivalence testings for a bit, but the, we sort of came to the conclusion that using uh, the t-test and then also the Wilcoxon sign rank test because of the uh, violations in assumptions that we had to be the most appropriate test to measure the absolute validity. And that was has been done um, in past studies trying to test the same, uh, the same as what we were um, testing for this experiment. Okay, thank you, Jack. Um, just a question uh, come through just now, which uh, I'll pose to you, Julius. The, uh, which is, uh, was there a comparison done between participants who have gone through the simulator first, then the actual tunnel compared to vice versa? Did we undertake that, you know, assessment? Or did the order of the counterbalance affect the results? Thank you, Nigel. That's a great question. Um, yeah, as explained by Prasanna earlier in the design of the experiment, we uh, designed the experiment as a counterbalance study to basically uh, remove this carryover effect. So basically, half of the participants actually driven through the real now connect first, while the other half uh, driven through the simulator first. So any carryover effect that is might be present basically cancelled out by this one. So uh, yes, we are not uh, actually looking at the actual effect of the order, whether they drive in, driven in a in the simulator first or the instrumented vehicle first, uh, because that's exactly something that we want an external factor that we want to remove from the analysis of this project. Yeah. Not sure if Prasanna or Mike want to add anything on it. No, because no, you expect those effects to wash out. But just getting back to that uh, previous point about traffic, um, there was some traffic in the uh, in the validation study. In, when people were driving through the treated version of the tunnel. Maybe Julius might like to explain uh, what traffic we did have in the simulated tunnel. I think it's important to yes. understand yes. that. Thanks, Julius. I think, I think yes, uh, Prasanna answered that question earlier or whatever, and I think Prasanna was, was referring to whether there was congestion or not. Uh, over to you, Julius. Uh, yes, thank you, Mike. Yes, just to clarify on that point. So yes, as Prasanna mentioned, we did not put any traffic in the first study, which is the study that looks into the effect of the uh, not connect design features. But 
for the second study, which uh, tried to which aimed to validate the driving simulator, we did put some light traffic inside the, the tunnels, and we designed uh, the traffic volume based on uh, some feedback that we're getting from the uh, Norconex uh, uh, basically stuff. Uh, so we try to replicate the, the driving environment as close as possible as what uh, people are expecting in the real uh, Norconex drive. Uh, but we also did not choose a time where the traffic is heavy because we want uh, to let participants choose their own speed and as well as the, to define their own position, uh, traffic positions uh, inside the driving lanes instead of just following uh, uh, heavy traffic in front of them. So, yeah. So we, 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 you designed the scheme so that the uh, relatively low traffic, relatively free-flowing traffic, as Prasanna said, so you were looking for kind of evening time, maybe mid-morning time when, when you weren't getting that congestion in the, in the tunnel. Look, uh, we're, we're just about out of time. I'll, I'll put the last question to, uh, to Richard. The, uh, Richard, how do you see, how do you envisage this methodology that's been developed by and proven by UNSW here? How do you envisage being that that being used in the future to the benefit of, of tunnel projects? Great question again, Nigel. Um, I think it's changed the way that we again that we um, look at um, tunnel design. Um, I think this has got the credentials to be uh, rolled out anywhere in the world. Um, we've obviously um, had a, a generation of new road tunnels here in Sydney. Um, there's also one or two um, in Melbourne as well. Um, but I think um, as part of the, the design development process, perhaps in the early stages of reference designs, um, those designs can be developed and then tested uh, with this me methodology um, before moving to the next step of, say, environmental um, impact assessment um, before it gets locked into a concept design and then detailed design. Um, so it's actually validated um, before you go forward. Yeah, look, I agree. That would be a great use of it. Uh, just, just to wrap up, uh, thank you again to all of our great collaborators and contributors to this project. Uh, and uh, please refer to the Austroads website where you can find uh, copies of the documents uh, which describe this great work. Ekaterina. Thanks very much, Nigel, and thank you to all our presenters um, today. Um, just one slide to wrap it up. Um, after we finish, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. Uh, please take a couple of minutes to send us your feedback. It really helps us to know what you liked or didn't like during the session. Um, and what suggestions you have for future webinars. Um, once again, today's webinar is being recorded and we will send you the link to the recording when it's published on our website. Um, this is our last webinar for the year. Um, we are planning to kick off with the uh, first 2024 webinar at the end of January. So please keep an eye on our website for details or um, subscribe to our monthly newsletter um, using the link provided on the slide. Um, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, we hope you have um, a restful break during um, the upcoming holiday season and we will see you next year. Bye for now. Bye for now.